Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. And if it didn't sound like I was being... I forgot to turn my mic on. <laughs> Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. This is it's the my... first time he's done this. That's why. <laughs> should I tell them? No. Yes, I should. Yes, I should. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> what? This he laughs at but he's trying to introduce me every time. I'm going to start having you introduce me. He's overwhelmed. Honey, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I got a lot to say, so you, just introduce you, me. You've this taken me, you've, you've stolen my heart. Okay, Lord, we ask you to give Leslie your anointing, fill her mouth and her heart with your fiery words, and help us to receive them in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> I didn't tell him. I'm going to laugh every time I introduce you, too. What is it about our husbands, Annie? Uh, uh, he's in total love with you. <laughs> That's love? Mm. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, welcome, everybody that's here and those of you watching online. I'm going to encourage later all those that have not, that are not here this morning, and you do, too, to go back and watch this because we all need to know about purity. It's not just someone that has not gotten married yet. This purity is supposed to be for everybody. So first of all, what is the pure, what is the meaning according to the Bible? Because that is our source. That's our guide, right? So purity in biblical language is to be morally clean without blemish. In other words, we have to do things morally right. Uh, purity is related to guiltless, blameless, or innocent. Most think the meaning of purity is about abstaining from sexual relations until marriage, which is true. That's very important, but there is also much more to purity overall. Overall, that we should all strive to be holy, should strive to be uh, have purity, should strive to have good morals, and to do things the right way. So let's look at the scriptures in 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, it says, furthermore, then we beseech, in other words, this is, they're imploring us, they're, they're uh, pleading, they're asking you, brethren, and exhort, in other words, they're urging, they're exhorting, they're encouraging to press you by the Lord Jesus, that as you've received us of how we ought to walk into place, uh, to please God, so you would abound more and more. So do you want to know how to please God in your everyday walk? Yes. I mean, it's not easy. It should be, right? But it's not easy. Um, you know, sin is a lot easier sometimes. But there's emptiness. There's, you know, you don't have eternal life. There's all kinds of uh, consequences with that. And it's only pleasing for a short time. And 4.2 says, For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, in other words, your dedication, that you should abstain, or in other words, refrain, give up, withdraw from fornication. Just give it up if that's a problem right now. Uh, refrain from it, withdraw from it, that every one of you should know how to possess, in other words, how to keep and retain this vessel, your body, for sanctification and honor. You should know how to do that. You should have self-control. Not in the lust of concupiscence. I know I didn't say that right because I never can say it right. And then there was sexual desire, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. 
that no man go beyond and defraud or deceive and take advantage of his brother in any any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us into uncleanness, but unto holiness. True? He's calling us to holiness, and that's what we should strive to be every day. Uh, Holiness is... Our example is Jesus, and we have a long way to go to, to reach that goal, right? He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God, who hath also given unto us by his Holy Spirit. And I just want to say that, you know, when we're trying to strive to walk in holiness, we're trying to, to strive to walk in, in uh, abstinence and, and purity. You know, it's kind of like somebody that's trying to lose weight to say, well, I already messed up with that cookie. I'm just going to, you know, I don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. In other words, you know, you just get back, as they say on the horse. You just get back up, and you just keep on going. Uh, there's failures in our lives. We fall off the, the horse. We, we fall off the wagon, they say. We do things, and we don't want to do them. Instead of saying, I'll just give up, and I'll just keep on staying in my sin, we need to strive to get up and try to do it right again. Uh, it doesn't matter if you just took that bite of that cookie. It's time to stop. Uh, taking those bites, and it's, it's time to stop, you know, get back on that diet, so to speak. <clears throat> he therefore that despises, despises not man but God, who hath also given unto us by his Holy Spirit. Because if you're not walking in holiness, you're not despising man, but you're despising God. It's like spitting in his face. Now, sin is progressive. They were talking about in Judges 19. You know, sin is like the devil we've talked about many times, kind of comes in, pokes you, get you to do something it's just a minor little sin and then before long there's it's more and more and there's it's bigger and bigger and bigger before long it's we can be um not able to get out of that sin because it is progressive and i got to thinking about that word because you know you can hear even christians uh say this is the reason why we need to have you know new bibles other than the king james because we need to stay progressive we need to have progressive church and we need to um, have it to be in our language today so that we can understand it, so we can have fortification. Just about, that's what I would say. Uh, they, you know, they don't realize how important all those words are that are in the King James Bible. Uh, they don't understand that the these and the thous are so important, right? And it's like there's like commandments in those words. There's like he's commanding us. It's like means more than you should just not do, right? Uh, so I'm just saying that, you know, progressive is not always good. In other words, there's even now in our society here in America, they're trying to say we need to be more progressive. We need to accept the transgenders. We need to accept homosexualities in our church and stand behind the pulpit. We need to accept new age. We need to accept, um, you know, the the Islam standing in our pulpit, pulpit, pulpit pulpits. Uh, trying to explain their religion to us and that kind of thing. You know, this is not being what God's word says to do. We're supposed to stay away from those things, stay away from those religions. That's, it's better to not go to say, well, I am progressive. To me, sometimes that doesn't sound very good. We should not be. We should stay. I don't have my Bible up here. We should stay with the word of God. All right? Because it's, there's nothing for all these years thousands and thousands of years um anything wrong with it so why should it now start to be changed i don't know anyway sin is progressive now you remember when um, in judges 
just a short little rehash about it, but this Levite man travels to reconcile with his runaway concubine, you know, in other words, not his wife, a whore. And the way back home, since they're not in the city of Gebeth, in the home of an old man, and then the wicked men of the town form a mob, and they demand the Levite, the Levite to be handed over to be raped. So they were homosexuals. They wanted that man to come out and to be raped. And instead, this Levite forces his concubine outside. Great man. And he, the, she gets raped. She beats until her sunrise. And then he finds her body, carries it home, and cuts it into 12 pieces. Then sends the pieces throughout Israel to say, look what they have done. And, you know, to me, again, the sin is progressive. So while he is committing sin, then there's about to be even greater sin was going to be committed against him. And then he was going to throw his concubine to the wolves. Not right. Now, let's talk about uh, Leviticus and and Judges um, in chapter 18. And you can read those by yourself later on. In Leviticus 18... Now, I'm reading these scriptures. Just be aware. Be aware just, I'm going to be a little boring for a little bit because I'm reading the scriptures. They shouldn't be, but you have to get to see what those scriptures say. None of you shall approach to any. That This is talking about if you, if you want to have sin in your life, this is what you're doing. If you want to retain, refrain from sin, then you have to stay away from these things. And this is what they say. This is why it's, you're being progressive and all these things is so dangerous. But God says in his word, and he explains it very well, because it's repeated later on even, but in Leviticus 18 it says, None of you shall approach to any that is near kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I'm the Lord. The nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of the mother shall thou uncover. This is, she is a mother that shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of thy father's wife shall not thou uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. The nakedness of thy sister, the daughter of thy father, or daughter of thy mother, whether she has been born at home or born abroad, even their nakedness, nakedness thou shalt not uncover. The nakedness of thy son's daughter or of thy daughter's daughter, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover, for theirs is thine own nakedness. The nakedness of thy father's wife's daughter, Begotten of thy father, she is thy sister. Thou should not uncover her nakedness. Sir, of course, just, you don't even have to say that. Just stand up. Um, hello. Good morning. So um, I just want to say something here. The older generation, they should already know. But younger generation, really, when they have a lot of children, they're married and they're happy family. But what I want to remind the mom and dad is so don't walk around home because your children is young, but they still have a perception. Don't walk around and naked or inappropriately in front of the children because when they, they're not ready to see what they're seeing, it will, they have a small trauma. And that opens the door. That opens the door. <coughs> How would I know that it happened to me? I know, okay? So please be careful. Even though it's your own home, your own children, doesn't mean you can walk around and do whatever because that affects children, okay? Be careful. Amen. It does. And I've heard that, um, that they, I think it's age four, they start to remember. 
they start to remember what mom looked like or dad looked like, and that's, they're not like you said, they're not ready for that. And it's just not good. <clears throat> All right, so Leviticus eighteen twelve. Now, thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's sister; she is thy father's near kinswoman. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy mother's sister, for she is the mother's near kinswoman. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's brother. Thou shalt not approach to his wife; she is thine aunt. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy daughter-in-law; she is the son's wife. Okay, you're getting the point. Uh, thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. Neither shalt thou, thou take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover nakedness, for they are, I mean, he covers every area, right? And uh, neither shalt thou take a wife to her sister to vex her, to uncover her nakedness beside the other in her, her lifetime. You know, you hear like, <laughs> um, you know, some people say, well, yeah, they divorced the wife and then married the sister. That's not right. It's according to God's word, that is, is, you don't do that. I mean, that's just not good. Also, thou shalt not approach unto a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is put apart for her uncleanness. In other words, during her menstrual cycle. Do you know that's a sin? Don't do it then either. Um, moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech. In other words, like an abortion, but also it's masturbation. Uh, neither shalt thou profane the name of the Lord thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind, as it is abomination. In other words, like homosexuality. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down there thereto. It is confusion. So, you know, to me, you know, this bestiality, this is... This is really scary because we have this where they are now having children um, in schools relate to their spirit animal. And so they're going to be starting to relate as they're a, some kind of a beast. And it scares me because, well, what are they going to do next? Are they going to try to have sex with the beast? Yeah, you watch. It's going gonna, it's gonna to become uh, big in our society. Just like we never thought we'd see like even transgenderism be so big. But we're now going to start, you know, we're not progressive enough if we don't accept that kind of thing. You watch. Uh, and the land is defiled, therefore I, I do visit. He does visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out of her inhabitants. So do not defile yourselves in any way, it says, the Lord says to me there. You shall therefore keep thy statues. In other words, he has statues in his word. He has ordinances in his words. The decree, the ruling, the order, and my judgments. And shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the, have, have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. What is happening to our land? What is happening to the United States land? Uh, it's become so defiled. And by all of a sudden, you know, we are the ones, while you, you'll hear this, I know you hear it, we're just not progressive enough, you know, we're judging, all these kinds of things, and we're saying, no, look at the Word of God. That's the judge right there, and he's putting the hammer down because it's the wrong thing to do. <clears throat> um, that the land spew not, you out also when you defile it, as it is spewed over out the nation that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among the people. Therefore shall I keep mine ordinances, in other words, his laws, his order, 
uh, the orders from God and that you commit not any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you and that you defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. So don't defile others. Don't defile yourself. Then it repeats itself again. And, and then we just talked about, you know, chapter 18. And then it repeats itself again, the same thing in chapter 20. But it does include the punishment in that chapter. It says that the blood will be upon you. There'll be death upon you. You will bear their sin and you shall be childless. So those are the curses that come along with these abominations that you're doing to yourself and that you're doing to others and that you're doing it to God. So there's abominations just like uh, in other parts of Leviticus talks about don't eat these types of meat, right? Uh, like you can eat a locust but don't eat a rabbit type of thing. <laughs> it's like it's not, um, it's not an abomination. Those things are not abomination unto God. It just means they're not healthy for you, and it's abomination into your body. That's what the scriptures say. So, you know, Stan and I, we try to stay away from pork, but we do like shrimp. We just pray over it. <laughs> Don't eat it very often at all, maybe once a year. But, um, you know, I'm just saying we just have to be careful what we're putting into our body, right? Now, holiness. If you, keep, if you want holiness in your life, you have to keep his statutes. If you want holiness in your life, you have to keep his ordinances. If you want holiness in his life, in your life, then you have to keep his judgments. And Leviticus twenty twenty four says, But I have said unto you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you, possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which has separated you from other people. We have to be called out. We have to be separated. And when it says there that flows with milk and honey, in other words, we will be blessed. You know, the rest of our nation is going to go in the pit. But we can be separated from that, and we want to be separated from that. True? If we walk in holiness. People say, yeah, I want to walk in holiness just like I want truth. But it's difficult. It's difficult, and so they either give up or they say, no, I'd rather stay in my sin. It's, I'd rather just stay there because, you know, I'm having a lot more fun. Well, we'll talk about that later on. Uh, and then in Romans one eighteen. Start there. Will God allow, is the title, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him for the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We don't have any excuse i mean he not only says it in his bible in the bible in leviticus 1 and chapter 18 that he repeats it again in chapter 20 but it's also throughout the whole word the whole word of god um because that when they knew god they glorified him not as god neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened persist professing themselves to be wise what's it say they became fools so you're foolish, you know, you're only fooling yourself, but you're foolish if you're thinking you're getting by with anything, any of these things. Especially as Christians, you're fooling yourself if you don't think he's not watching. You're fooling yourself. He's everywhere. He sees these things. He sees you even in the marriage bed. He sees you even in the fornication. He sees you in the adultery. He sees you all these, all these places. He sees everything. So you are not fooling anyone. 
Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness to the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. In other words, God says, okay, you want to do that? Go on. To change the truth of God into a lie. Are we seeing that? Oh, my goodness. We see. That's what I talked about last week. I think it was last week. Yeah, I did. Talked about, you know, truth. You know, faithful. You know, we're, we're like, we're turning, everything's as good as is bad, and it's just all topsy-turvy right now. Um, they, they're changing the words. They're changing it to be a lie. Uh, believing this lie and trying to get, they believe it so much that's their truth. That's their truth, but we know that is not true. But how do you convince them when they have convinced themselves that that's the truth? It's their only reality, and so therefore, you know, it must be right. Um, they're worshiping the creature more than the creator. And for this cause, cause, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. So we see this. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God and their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate, in other words, a degenerate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whispers. This is a spirit of jealousy that comes upon the people. This is the, these are the manifestations of what happens with that, that uh, jealous spirit. And it's very <clears throat> difficult to get rid of because... People want to live in, in that lie. They want to live in that deceit. And so all this unrighteousness, who, you know, people say, well, once you're saved, once you ask Jesus to do it to your heart, then you're holy and then you have righteousness. Not so. Not so. You have to walk it out. You have to walk it out. You know, when we first become Christians, things aren't, don't seem so tough because God has given us leeway. Then the closer we're getting with Him, right? He's slapping our hand. Right? For long, he slaps our behind. For long, you know, your head's down on the floor. What are you doing, let's say? Now, he was much more gentle than that. I was talking to myself about that. <clears throat> now, daughter, you can't pick up your head because you just sinned against me, and I'm going to talk to you right now. Just stay right there. He's gentle. He's kind. And I'm crying. But, Lord, I'm crying. I'm so sorry, right? Anybody been in that position other than me? Huh? Well, I mean, no, he is gentle compared. He's gentle compared to what we should receive. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, so you know, we we're not getting forty lashes. Might feel like it, but but wow. The harder he corrects, the closer we get. Is that what you're about to say? Yeah. Yes. She's yes. It does feel like forty lashes because she said we don't want to disappoint him. Isn't that the truth? I mean, we don't want to disappoint him. Some that's more, it's greater inside of them than others. But it's like, oh, whenever I disappoint my father, I was like, oh, I just, I'm just miserable because I have disappointed my father. And so she's right. It feels like 39 lashes because we have disappointed him. 
true. 130. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, in other words, they're hard-hearted, uh, they're immerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only to do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They don't care. They, you know, they'd rather have their so what fun for that moment. And so death is so distant to them. But they'd almost rather have death than they're, they're worthy of death. And they like, and unfortunately they don't care. They think the rest of the society, the rest of the Christians are wrong. You know, you can go to a church that's progressive. I don't even know why they have the name church or the name Jesus there. Because it's like, oh, come as you are. You can stay the way you are. You want to act like you're a cat today? Fine. You want to act like you're a dog today? Fine. You want to dress like a, dress up like a transvestite? Fine. Come on in. Everyone is welcome for we have the love of Jesus. Isn't she doing great? <laughs> yes. Awesome. So, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say, but I want to say this because a lot of those progressive pastors and churches, if you really look at it, they are compromising. Yep. They're behind the scene. They're standing in front of you, but they're doing things mm-hmm. in their life. So this is the one way to compromise. It's okay. Just come and, yep. and you know, Lord, understand Justify you. their sin. Yeah. Right? They yeah. Justify their sin. Yeah. So they're compromising and they're justified because behind the scene, they're doing things. Absolutely. They're doing things. So as the body of Christ, so you should know the discerning, you know, because what is their fruit? Yep. That is what you say. Uh, oh, I love you so much. So what you're doing is okay. It's not okay because there's consequence to everything. Yep. So true. I mean, <clears throat> it, you know, there's, they are sinning. And, you know, how many, we're going to see more and more come out of the woodwork, by the way. But, you know, as uh, Christian leaders, being it's being revealed what their, their secret sins are. Most of the time it's, <coughs> most of the time it's sexual immorality. And, you know, judgment it begins in the household of God. So, you know, everything we allow in the church, then it's also allowed out in the world. You understand that? It starts right here. God says it came in here, so then it's your fault it's out there. Um, and that's what we're seeing a lot of. And, I, and we'll see more and more um, leaders, church leaders, they're going to be exposed. And so I'm, I'm glad of it. Actually, I'm glad of it. Expose them and get them out. Um, don't allow them to back to preach, in my opinion. They had their chance. Let somebody else do it. Like Marcus. We'll just turn their ministry over to Marcus. He'll take care of them. All right. So to me, progressive can be, uh, you can be confused and lost, right? They're unsure, unclear. They're perplexed. They're disoriented. They're bewildered because they really don't know which way to go. They don't know what is truth. Uh, they're miserable. They're empty inside. Some of you are empty inside. How do we feel that emptiness? We'll talk about it in a minute. So the sin of sexual immorality is progressive, and that sin it seeks to devour you. Uh, would love to destroy your your message that you have. That destroy your message as a as a leader as a as a Christian wants to destroy you. 
Um, in other words, do you also do you struggle with lust in your heart? You know, you need to be careful. Are others, like I said last week, are they coming up to you, you know, very lustful? That means you have a spirit of lust attached to you. Uh, you know, I, women, especially, they're, they're like, these men, they're all over me all the time. Well, you have a spirit of lust or else they're really not. Maybe they're just being kind to you, right? They're just, you know, nowadays it's almost like they said hi to me. <gasps> oh, he wants to get in my pants. What? It is really that bad. They just want to say, you know, oh, you know, you, um, Bill, for example, almost every Sunday. Thank you, Bill. Leslie, you look really nice today. You look very pretty today. Now, I guarantee you, other women would go, oh, he's coming on to me. Stanny's coming on to me. Thank you, Bill. I accept your, you know, how you give me this compliment. I love it. Thank you. Anybody else want to say how beautiful I look today? <laughs> <laughs> take, take some guidance from Bill. <laughs> when we ladies, we walk in, you know, we walk in and Bill, you just start it with all the ladies that walk in and then other men can follow along and, you know, and ladies don't, don't, don't be starting to say like, oh my goodness. I mean, they're just, you know, unfortunately men today is like, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. I can't say anything. I'm sorry, guys. You can open my door all day long. You can pick up the papers I drop all day long. You can say I look really nice today all day long. You can say I like your hair today. I like your makeup today. I think you're beautiful. I don't take that as, wow, they're wanting me. It's just ridiculous. But there's so many, especially the younger women, younger generation. Well, I shouldn't say, I mean, younger than me, okay? You know, that think that anybody that gives them, like, gives them any kind of compliment, they're, they must want something. And I'm sorry about that. I apologize. But, you know, you like, you men also at the same time want us to say, well, you look nice today, Bill. Wow. I really like that. They'd like that. See, yeah, okay. See, you want to hear that. Well, I like your shirt, Eric. That's really great. Those colorful jacket. I mean, I'm not just saying that right now because I'm up here. I'm really giving you a compliment. I really do. This is, but it's like, I'm not coming on to you, right? But that's what they think. There's too many of them. My husband's here. He'll beat you up. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> well, they ought to be. <laughs> All right, I'll beat you up. Um, so sin seeks to devour us um would love to destroy our message uh yeah okay so people begin to distance themselves when they're in sin isn't that true like you start coming to church and then all of a sudden we stop not seeing this person we stop not seeing this person we stop not seeing this person okay yeah because guilt and shame where do they need to be they need to be back in church back in church back in church Right? Amen. Don't give up. Yes. <clears throat> Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you messed up yesterday. Yeah. Today's a new day, the word says. Amen. You start again. You get help. You get prayer. Have a, you know, a accountability partner, something like that. Just make it a goal. Make that a decision that you're going to do it right before God. Pleasing God. Do you know his instruction? 
Do you know what it says in his Bible? I mean, I gave you a lot of verses today. Uh, who's directing your path? Is it Satan? Is it your own flesh? Is it others? Is it God? Who is it? Are you sanctified? Uh, are you trying to be holy? When If we try to be holy, we just fall short, don't we, all the time? Uh, being married doesn't take away the temptation of sin, by the way. If I could just get married, then I could have all the sex I want and everything would be fine. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. So being married does not take away the temptation, huh? They've been lied to. <laughs> being married will not take away the struggle. What are you doing? I am not going to let him in I am the so next glad time. that she's talking about this. Right? But it doesn't. You think it will? No. Especially with American women, it just won't. I mean, maybe if you want to get a bride from another country. I don't know. No, that doesn't work either? Okay. (laughs) Being married will not take away the struggle. As a matter of fact, it just adds sometimes to the struggle. (laughs) Um, Remember Jerry Falwell Jr.? He falls from grace. It was big news. And also Mike Bickle just not long ago in Kansas City. And, you know, it just goes on and on. But... Praise God, their sins are being found out. So abstain from this sexual immorality. It's not easy. What do I do about it? Okay, well, let me let me talk to you about it. <clears throat> what do I do? If I have these desires, I have this spirit in me. It just won't leave me alone. I just, it's like I just, um, I can't help it. I can't help masturbating. I can't help all these things I'm doing. I can't help, you know, pornography and all this kind of stuff. It's men and women, too. It's not just men. I'm talking about women, too. So what do I do? Well, maybe you need to get up and go outside and take a walk. You know, even more than just a cold shower. Maybe you just, you've got to get in the Word of God. All right? Start reading the Bible. Um, make a phone call to one of your accountability partners. You know, there's there's things that you can do to distract, to get away from that that pulling, that desire that you may have. Um, seriously, getting that fresh air really helps sometimes. Just getting out. Um, play a card game. <laughs> right? Pick up the book. Maybe not a book. Pick up the book. As I'm pointing down there. Do what? Well, they say that just resisting the flee, but how do we resist him? So we can't just say, you know, get thee behind me, Satan, get thee behind me, Satan, and then just keep having those thoughts, right? That's why I'm saying do more than just even saying that. Get out and start praying. Um, I want to say something. Okay, so this is the struggle for everybody. I don't care who you are. Man is more than a woman, uh, most likely, right? I mean, God did not tell me man is more... Okay. It's, it's, it's we we okay. have ladies who is addicted in sex, and and in the uh, books they read, yeah, those, yeah, every yeah. romance. Yeah. Oh, romance I'm just reading romance books. So I'm okay. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not because it's content in there is bad, just as bad as a Playboy just right in yeah. front of you. 
okay? Because that give you the imaginations, yeah. yeah. And that, uh, how should I say, that pleasure, so they keep going back and back yeah. and back and back. Okay, so that just doesn't justify. But this is what happens in mankind. The whole, I mean, for ages, this from beginning, right? So you you resist, you, you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That resisting is not just saying, devil, get away yeah. from me. Right. Resisting is a wrestling match. Resisting is like a Jacob fighting yeah. with the angel, right? I mean, this opposite way, but, right? So you have to continue. As the more you do, you get better and better. It, that image and that temptation gonna pops up. It's gonna go, it's gonna come, but then you get better at this warfare. You get better at this fighting. So soon, you know, you don't get so mad and you don't get so upset over it because you've been fighting for a long time. It still come, but you'll be able to dismiss this thought and resist the devil and he will, he will flee from you, right? So you, you have to engage this fight. So she's giving you a, a lot of the things you, you know, should do it, and they will all work. But it comes into your mind. Mm -hmm. But if you keep receiving it, not fighting it, then yep. that desire in your body is going to start to react. Okay, first it comes into your thought. When you, you follow that thought, then eventually your body is going to react to it. Then it'd be harder to resist. So be careful. Be careful. I know what I'm talking about. Yep. Be careful. Amen. So true. We have to. We have to fight. It's a battle. We have to fight it. You know, I, I'm gonna tell you. I, I, I know a man um, that oh, he's maybe 45 now. Just got married a couple of years ago. Um, decided he needed maybe one of those other country brides so because he you know is being pretty rejected by the women here in america but he's been in pornography masturbation for so long as a probably 14 that they have yet and i know this is a fact they have yet to have consummated their marriage because he cannot have sex with her because she's not an image it's the real deal so Men don't think that you're getting, once you get married, that it'll be okay because you might not even be able to get an erection when it's your really, it's a real person, it's your wife. So here, this woman comes from another country, wants a child, and she's getting older in life, and she's probably not going to have any children because they, he can't do anything. He can't get an erection with her because he stayed into the masturbation, the pornography. For so long that now he can't enjoy the real thing. This is the truth. And this is not the only one. But this one I know, I have heard, I know personally this happened. The others, I, they, they've, I've heard or they come or I, you know, read or whatever, but that, that, that's a problem. But, yeah, this is a real problem. I'll add it to that is when someone who's into that for a long period of time, they get married, and 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 it's it's good, it's good, right? But in their mind, this is the, the spirits giving you. Is 
you never really have that um, intimacy with the partner, yeah. your wife, who you love and who you know swear you're going to be uh, truthful. <clears throat> but because they've been into this masturbation and porn for so long, they will never get satisfied with the wife mm -hmm. they have. Okay, because of the, the devil will give you that thoughts and that feelings you have through that uh, mind, your eyes, and that experience you had for so long. First, it was okay. Then you begin to have a problem in marriage bed yeah. because you're comparing that a long time with this imagination you're looking at, and then the, the, the way you uh, get satisfied, I should say, that way. And with your wife, is different. So you do it okay for a while, but then pretty soon, it's not okay no more because you're comparing. Right. Comparing. You're comparing the lie yeah. to the truth. Yes. And you're believing the lie. You'd rather have the lie. Yes. <clears throat> so this is a deception. This is how devil wants to destroy family and mankind. So just this is a fact, so be careful. You know, um, we didn't have... We'd have Christians in the past, I pray none of you are these Christians in here right now or those watching online, that would get very upset that here in our church we're talking about this. Well, to me, this is the place you talk about this, right? You tell the people, here, this is what the Word of God says. This is what happens. You know, yeah, God has things to say, so we should be delivering that. We shouldn't be just like, oh, well, whatever you want to do, you know, you're beating your wife, okay, you can just beat your wife because I don't want to get involved. What in the heck? People, it's time to wake up. We're supposed to help each other, right? Amen. Um, and I want to talk about virtue because it talks about the virtue in the Bible. It occurs six times in the Bible. Uh, the first uh, couple of scriptures I have, Mark here and also Philippians, um, it talks about, you know, when, you, when you're praying. One, two, three. One, two. Do I have six up there? One, two, three. Yeah, four, five, six. Matters, I said seven. Anyway, anyway, it has to do, the first virtue is about, you know, when you're praying for someone, for example, for healing, you can feel the power, the, the, we say the virtue went out of them, right? But there's also those, those, that word virtues in the Bible, but there's also, it talks about the virtue as, in other words, keeping things holy, keeping um, lust out of your life, keeping corruption out of your life that we need to have that kind of virtue in our life. And that's, just, that's another virtue it talks about in the Bible. It's not the same. Just everywhere you find virtue in the Bible, it might mean power or might. It might be the virtue flows you know, from that, like there's power that flows through you, or it might be I'm a virtuous woman, right? I'm a virtue person. I equal purity in my life. Uh, now, is shame keeping you away? Are you embarrassed? Uh, the favorite secret weapon of Satan, that's his favorite to do, is to keep you feeling guilty, feeling, keeping you feeling ashamed, keeping you feeling embarrassed. Uh, so are you defined by your friends? Are you defined by the books you read? You know, what is your spiritual walk with God? That's what I'm trying to get to. Uh, you know, it becomes a snowball effect, right? I'll start little, and then it gets big, and the free soon is like, bam! That's what happens. Just get hit with that. Uh, do you control your body? Do you blame others? Why, that woman dressed very provocative, so I couldn't help myself. That's not self-control. you got to stop blaming others. You have to stop, men, you have to stop blaming women. 
Women, we have to stop blaming the, the men that they're coming on to us. All the, I mean, we have to stop this right now as Christians. Okay? You can't blame them. You, like Sunni says, you put the blinders on, right, Lou? You look straight in their eyes. You don't look down. You don't look around. You don't look them up and down. You look at their eyes. Amen. Right? Amen. By the way, come up here, Brandon. Um, do you blame others? Are you disciplined? You know, we can't just fall into purity. We can't just say, let go and let God. In other words, we'll just let go. God is going to take care of it. God will do whatever, you know, in his own timing. How many times I hear that, Stan? God will do it in his timing. All right? He'll clean me up in his timing. No, you got to start. So what I was going to show is how to tell men and women that aren't married should hug each other. Side to side. For the most part, okay? As Christian men and women... This is what we need to do. Amen. Now, if we're really happy to see each other, then we might go like this. But there's a distance. Yeah. Right? It's different than how I would hug my my um, husband. Yeah. Thank you. In other words, you know, if if there if there's if you're wanting purity in your life, I put here you gotta run towards it. You gotta decide you want it. You got to decide that you're going to do it. Um, you can't just sit on the couch and expect God to change you. You have to make the changes. Amen. It's war on your flesh, and your soul is at stake. Those who practice sin are not saved, in my in my opinion. They're not truly saved until they can get. Mm, that's probably harsh. You've asked Jesus in your life, you're saved. Okay, if you're trying to walk out that purity, I should say. If you're trying to do this, if you're working now, I shouldn't have said the word try either because try means you have an excuse if you don't make it. So there's try, you have an excuse, you won't do it. Then you say, no, I'll just do it. I'll just make that change. And purity pleases, pleases God. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to pursue abstinence. I want you to pursue purity because God knows everything. And I want you to take control of your body. And you say, well, the body, the, the rest of the, the family out there, the rest of the Christians out there, the rest of society out there might make fun of me. Let them make fun of you. I won't. Your brothers and sisters in here, they won't. So you have somebody that's not going to laugh at you. Let them be the fool, not you. Learn how you ought to walk and please God. Learn how you're supposed to, to fulfill the will of God over your life. I'm not going to read all this. And the scriptures talks about in um, in talking about in Thessalonians. Please go back and read it. Thessalonians four, chapter four. Um, but what the bottom line is that he is telling them: walk in purity, walk in brotherly love, and then it happens. What happens to you when you die? If you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, you will have that eternal life. You will. Can I have some worship music on? But I want to open it up right now. For those of you that are watching online, maybe there's some shame and guilt in your life. Uh, maybe you just need to make a new day with God and say, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to make this decision that I'm going to walk in purity. I'm going to walk with um, you, Lord. I know that I have displeased you, and it really saddens me I have displeased you. I'm not going to compromise anymore. I'm not going to give excuses anymore or somebody else's fault. I'm not going to do that. I choose today. I choose today to walk in the abstinence. 
I choose today. Because any kind of sexual immorality is very displeasing to God. We've seen that in the scriptures. And that's what we're talking about, purity. Purity today. So if you just want prayer, if you just want to get right with God, if you just want to just come humbly before him, say, Lord, I, you know, I just need you to help me stay on the right path. I don't know why you're coming up here. You know, I ask all of you, to, whoever wants to, to come to kneel at the altar. And if you want prayer, just raise a hand and Sunni and I will pray for you. Just bow your heads today. And, and sometimes we say, Jesus, we love you. God said, if you really love me, do my commitment. This is the love for him, not the humanly love. We cuggle and say, I love you. That's different. When God says, if you love me, don't get confused. It's different from us. If you love him, if we love him, do his commitment. That's telling him we love him. Anyway, open up the altar for anybody who'd like to come. And those on you watching online, maybe some of you men there sitting next to your husband. And your husbands are saying, man, I messed up with you, wife. I took advantage of you before we were married. Maybe you need to turn to your wife and say, I defiled you, my loved one. My lovely wife, I defiled you. I ask you to forgive me now. And watch her break. Watch her cry. Even though she'll say, I was part of it. Maybe this will be the very thing that will heal your marriage. I know that it, it did for Stan and I years ago. Just humble yourself before God and say, I've messed up. And maybe some of you are watching online that are living in sin. And you men, you men right now need to ask that woman their hand in marriage. And it doesn't need to be some big wedding. Don't wait for the finances to come in, the big wedding dress to come in. You just go get married at the courthouse. Just make a decision today to please God, to do the will of God, to walk in purity. Just ask the Lord to forgive you for right now for maybe some of the books you read. The imaginations that you had come into your thoughts. Have you displeased God? Lord, I thank you that these people are being honest with you today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.
need help by a beautiful young lady. This is McKay. Can you hold these for me? Thank you. Got to have my helpers. So important. How you're you're six now or five? Six. <gasps> six years old. Don't let here. Put this down so they can see your beautiful face right there. Okay. All right. So we're gonna get our service started. Uh, welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. You know, I'm so excited to be here in this beautiful state of Texas. And uh, we had the men's uh, the gathering last night. How was it, guys? Was it good? Awesome. Uh, good food, yes. Yes, good barbecue. So we had a great time. Um, we have a lot of parties here and all kinds of things. So you should come. Just move here because of those, right? Anyway, speaking of parties, we have a party coming up. Next Sunday for Eni's birthday, 60th birthday. Yeah, so I'm going to hand this around. And this, if you just sign up to let us know that you're coming so she would know kind of how many people to, that's going to be needing some food. And so we're going to come and celebrate with Eni from 5 to 9. I think she was telling everybody else her friends come at 4, so they'll be here at 5. <laughs> <laughs> here at the church, yes. So, and then also, um, it's Lou's, Pastor Lou's birthday today. Yay. Happy birthday, Pastor Lou. 68 years old, young, because his last name is Young, so he'll always be young. Uh, this is going to be the sign-up for the chili contest, which is the last... Uh, uh, Sunday in January, uh, we have world famous chili cookers here. Here, so if you want to, yeah, and trophies, the world famous trophies. <laughs> so I encourage you to sign up to join in on that. Also, thank you, Makata. Can you go take that to your sister? Would you hand that around? <laughs> if Lou wins, can he keep his trophy? Yeah. All right, thank you. All right, all that work I did, she just threw him away. What happened with that? I'm sorry, Lou. I should. It was a tragedy. He's never been the same since. <laughs> um, just to let you know, uh, Kate Gallo lost her husband. Husband, not husband. Not husband. Okay, okay, I'll start over. Rewinding. I started to say Kate and her husband, Jonathan, and I didn't, I skipped ahead. Kate. And Jonathan, but Kate's dad, died on Friday. So um, he passed away. They, you know, we, we might not see them the rest of December. They may come in and out, but um, keep them in your prayers. Must have been a massive heart attack. That's what they're assuming. Uh, they're probably going to have to fly the body back to Kenya. The whole family will have to go back to Kenya for the funeral. So it's, it's going to be quite the ordeal. So please keep them in prayer because it's not just a quick burial. This is a long, ongoing process. Huh? They said he, she said that he was famous. I don't know if that means he was very liked in Kenya or if he was actually famous like we would use our word here in the United States. So anyway, he was famous in Kenya, so they're, they're sending him back, his body back. And so the whole family is going to have to go back. So keep them in your prayers. That means traveling with all those little bitty kids, too, all that way. So they, they do need a lot of prayer. Need to just keep praying for Breda. 
she has good days and bad days, and also I'm sure Elaine also does too, so just we need to keep her in prayer. And so um, let's stand with that. Let's stand. Let's get our service going this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that we can humbly come here today. And Lord, I just right now, I just encourage that anybody watching right now, that they go back and watch the 930 service. And for those of you that just came in to the church service today, go back and watch the 930 service today. You don't want to miss that. It's a very, very important message. So go back and watch the 930 service of today. Lord, I also pray for Breda. Lord, I pray that you continually, miraculously heal her. Lord, you are the God of miracles, and I see more and more as we go on in the days ahead. Your mercy is so kind, so wonderful. I also ask that you give the provision to Tony and his family to be able to get their house, their house fixed so they can live in it once again and not have to be paying rent to live somewhere else. We also ask for Elaine to, that you would heal her body miraculously. And Lord, anybody else that has sickness amongst them, we ask right now for your miracle. In Jesus' name, we command it. And Lord, we ask for your anointing today as we get the service going. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. It's time for offering. Good morning, everyone. How are we today? Look at all these beautiful, smiling Wonderful people this morning. Hallelujah. All right. So uh, it's time for offering. Here we do the prophetic act of bringing your tithes to the storehouse. Uh, before you do, I just want to ask one little question. Does everyone enjoy... I had it. Does everyone enjoy... receiving gratefulness anybody like for someone friend family to come up to you and just express at different times how grateful they are to you maybe you've done something for them maybe it's just the friendship uh maybe it is some sort of a condition but we all know each other we love each other we're family here right so doesn't it doesn't it encourage us it makes us feel good for someone to just bestow a little gratefulness to us? Well, sometimes we should, we should show our Lord, our Savior, our gratefulness to him through our tithes and offerings. Yes? Because of the absoluteness of him, number one, but the fact that he gave us his absolute. He gave us his all. So at different times, we should bestow our gratefulness upon him by bringing our tithes to the storehouse. Hallelujah. I got to say, it's, it's wonderful to see the kiddos learning these things at such a young age. I, uh, I've grown up in church. I've seen it. But it's great to see that that hasn't fallen off from one generation to the next. It's extremely, extremely important. Amen. Anyway. And the thing is, they love to come up again. They do. They love cheerfully come yeah, up again. Yeah, well, those pure hearts, man, they just love the Lord. Absolutely. We want to pray over this first before we do the 
Go ahead. Oh, you're, oh, great. Go ahead. Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your, your, your sweet love upon us. We, we give you praise, honor, and glory for your hand and your might. For your ways are just and true. And what better way for us to show our love and gratitude to you but with these tithes and offerings. Not because you tell us that we receive something in return, but just for the sheer fact that we appreciate, we enjoy our relationship with you. Your hand and your might may be strong at times, but your love is the most powerful thing we've ever felt. The most powerful thing in the world is love. It's your love. It's that agape love. You will never leave us nor forsake us. So we thank you for this opportunity. We call forth multiplication upon the giver today. Sometimes, as you know, we scrape the bottom of the barrel to do our giving, but we give because it's, it's for you. You are the absolute. You are, you are the infinite. All power and might is yours, Father. So we, with humble hearts, we bless this offering today. We do call forth the multiplication upon it for the giver, as your word declares. In Jesus' name. And you're right. You got it. You prayed for the offering. But I want to say something else. I looked this past week, and somewhere around 2,000 views is what our church got this past week. Now, we're on a lot of different platforms. It's not just Prophecy Club, YouTube, Facebook, X. I mean, we're on just about all the platforms out there. And it was around 2,000 views. I was also shocked to find out that on Facebook alone, the Bible study from last week got 1,800 views. Okay? 1,800 people in a Bible study? All right, now, I say that because... I want to talk to the online people here for just a minute, whether you're watching live or whether you're watching recording. That offering, that still goes for you. But I'm going to, I'm going to recommend something. I'm going to recommend a prayer for everybody online especially, but also those people in the audience. I want you to try and experiment. I want you to pray one simple prayer. I have discovered that when I'm in a financial problem, my financial problems have come because I didn't give someplace. I remember listening to great men and women of God, like Dimitri Dudeman, Henry Groover, and others. They would hear guest speakers over 25 years. Many of them would make that comment, but it didn't exactly sink in. So I hope that this request sinks in. Sometimes, you know, you ladies are not like this, but I know us men are sometimes like this. Sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer. And that is, Lord, I believe you. I believe you're in control of everything. And I want to be a blessing. And I want you, in the next week or two, show me someone that is in desperate need, a need I can fill, 
and that when I give, their need will be met so much, it'll make them cry. Here's what happens. You're about to find out the hand of the Lord is very long. He controls everybody's heart. He controls everybody's purse strings. And if you're one that's thinking, oh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, my income is set. You know, it never went wrong. (laughs) God can change it. And he will change it. If you've never tried that experiment, if you've never prayed that prayer, let me encourage you to do it. Because what you'll discover is in the next week or two, all of a sudden you'll find yourself getting gas or someplace like that. I've had it happen. And somebody walks up and they're desperate. You know, I I don't remember exactly what it was because I didn't have to listen to what his excuse was. You know, I'm I'm desperate. My child's, I got to get to the other side. I need some gas. Can you give me 20 bucks? He didn't have to say all that. Give him 20 bucks. And he start crying. 20 bucks. 20 bucks makes somebody cry. But it solved a really, really, really big need in their life. If you want God to solve your problems, if you want God to solve your problems, that's right. As you sow, so also shall you reap. And by the way, don't look for it back. It may be that you do it many, many, many times. But then all of a sudden, after you've been doing that a while, you'll start saying, whoa. Did you do that? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Been there, okay? Now, I bring this up after we've taken an offering for Spirit of Prophecy Church. I'm not doing this trying to get a bigger offering for either that or Prophecy Club. I want you to come into and discover the joy of giving. Amen. The joy of giving. Amen. And by the way, sometimes in our giving, I remember one time, I remember one time, it was a large amount. And it was wire transfer is wire transfer to another nation. And I knew, as soon as I clicked that mouse, I would not see it again. So I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. I just, he, just, he just touched me again. And I kept feeling the anointing test. Yes, yes, yes. So I remember when I got that mouse, and I said, Lord, I'm sending this because I believe you. The next day, three times that amount came back. A little over three times. That's what I want you to discover. I want you to discover the joy of giving. I want you to discover the hand of God is long. And I'm not worried about Putin firing missiles on America. I'm worried about whether I'm walking with Jesus. If I'm walking with Jesus, I don't have to worry about Putin and his missiles. Because I know who controls his heart. He might not know. I know that. Now, next thing I want to talk about. So, that's not my cell phone. Tell me that's not my cell phone. 
That's my, my tone, but it's not myself. You are? Well, let me say something, okay? I, I've got it all geared up now. I had a dream a year, year and a half ago, maybe two. This is before Leslie started going out to Pakistan and Singapore and places like that to minister. And God showed me that he was going to call Leslie to speak in places that I would not be going with her. And it didn't mean a whole lot to me at the time. I knew what it was saying. But sure enough, the day started arriving where she was called to go out and minister. Now she's been invited to go again. I'll let her tell you about it. I see an excitement come to Leslie like nothing else when she can go out and minister. It's like that's that's her heart. That's what she lives and breathes for is to go and to minister. And you know, I don't know. Maybe this would be one of the places that God would nudge your heart to give. But I recommend that when you give, give from here, not here. In other words, don't think, okay, I got so much in there. I, I can probably, no. Here. What's in here? What's, it, what's in your heart? And then give that. And then you can be confident that you gave it and the right thing is going to happen. I don't recommend you go, okay, let's see, he's going to give me back twice or three times. No. You said give. I gave. End of story. I remember one time I was in the shower. The Lord told me to give. Now, you have to understand, it's not the amount, but sometimes it does. But I was in the shower. He told me to give to some person. So I called him. I said, so is this your bank? Is this, are these your wiring instructions? He said, yes. I said, okay, I'm about to send you a donation. How much? And I told him. He said, how did you know? How did you know? That's what God told me. See, it's one thing for you to say, oh, I heard from God when there's no money involved. But when you're giving some money, you really did hear from God. <laughs> you better really hear, especially if it has more than one digit to it. Okay, You know what I'm saying, right? Okay. So Leslie's going to tell you about how she's been invited to go and speak. And this would be a good place to sow. That this is not the place, you, you're not going to make Leslie cry. Okay, so this is not what, that's not feeling that one. That's, that's between you and God. That's someplace out there. I want you to see, if you pray that prayer, and you're sincere about it, I want you to see in the next week or two that, that God will bring that as a blessing to you, blessing to that. He will do that. Okay. Oh, it might see me cry, but it's not because of what she said. <laughs> um, I do come alive when I get to go to these other nations and to minister. Uh, I've been called to do crusades. I've been called to train and equip. I know that's my calling. And um, I just this last week I was invited to Singapore and to Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, and it's in February. <laughs> so we're talking, I need help and finances right away. And um, I, I hope I don't have to go by myself. I might have to, but I'm hoping I don't. 
prayerfully enough comes in where I don't have to. Um, Pastor Missy has invited me in, uh, which is a great honor. And when I go to speak, yes, it's about getting people saved, and that's what usually people think about missions. But the type of missions that God usually sends me on is, is really to train and equip the ministers. That's my mission. Because if they aren't trained and equipped, then how are they going to be able to really minister to those that are coming into the kingdom of God? Um, he said that they, 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 they're in, the, in Singapore and also Malaysia. Uh, they really want to know about the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Holy Ghost. That's, like, That's my life. I train and equip that all the time. So um, I'm excited about doing that, and they're excited about having me in. I had to quickly that same day send a picture. I mean, there's so much that's like, now, 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 Stan, can I go? Stan, can I go? And uh, and he's not going with me. It's a long ways over there to Singapore and to, to Malaysia. I've been there before. Um, and I'm, I just, just pray that you'll support me with your prayers, of course, but also financially. Uh, just It's just going to be very difficult to try to just do that so quickly on our own. So I pray that you just ask the Holy Spirit what he would have to you to give today and so into this ministry. Yeah. What's the amount you need? What's your goal? What do you need to go God? Well, you know, on missions, you never go, um, you never go to not give. And so the amount that keeps coming to me is I need 10000 because the airfare alone is not cheap. <laughs> Then there's hotel. I mean, you, you know, it's not like here in America. You get invited to go speak to a church. They pay your airfare. They pay your hotel. They pay your food. They pay you to minister. They give an offering. That's not what this is about. You leave every penny you have in whatever that country is. So um, I'm just believing that God's going to at least bless us with uh, $10,000 at least within the next month. And so those of you online, too, um, please, we need your help, too. This is a small church body, but there's many that are watching online. And so there's many that I know that God can tug at your heart to sow and to give into this ministry to be able to go and and to minister. And I remember um, it was a month after my stroke last year last year i had the stroke in november god miraculously healed me and we were in um ohio and missy called and asked if i wanted to go to pakistan and uh i said of course and that was going to be in march at the time and so i'm like uh that's only a couple of months then too it was like and staying goes, well you just you just had the stroke don't you need to get your strength back and i said i would rather die die there doing the lord's work and did not go. And that was my attitude, wasn't it? And that saying goes, you would rather die. I said, I would rather die. God has called me to other nations. I know I'm to go. And when there's an open door, I know and I feel a blessing like this to be able to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. And so we need, we need help. We need help not just in this nation but other nations. So I just appreciate your giving. felt it. How many of you just got it? <clears throat> I know, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you first. How many of you just got it? How many of you just got it? 
What just happened? I want to see if there's somebody else that just felt it. Okay, I'll tell you, and then see how many hands go up. God just put out a fleece to our church. How much does the church, Spirit of Prophecy Church, I'm talking about people right here, people online, how much do they want to really reach out? How much do they really want to build my kingdom? I believe it's called us to, to bigger things. Bigger than where we are right now. Amen. And his hand is quite big enough to see that it happens. We just have to say yes and amen. amen. Do we say yes and amen? Amen. 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 Thank you. Are you pray with me, Brother Just go ahead. Won't you pray with me, Brother For Paul and, and Eric, they just worked in because I know you'll probably want to give. Uh, this is for me to go to Singapore and also to Malaysia in February. So it's coming up right away. So just wanted to. Huh? Right. Well, the conference will be um, the 11th through the 18th, um, but we, we have to go a few days earlier. So I'm thinking around the 5th we go. Oh, Come back February. In February. So that's February. soon. Not very long off. <laughs> yeah, that's soon. Well, we need to buy tickets like yeah. soon. <clears throat> Lord, look at this. Look at what they gave. They didn't even know this was going to be sprung on them. So a lot of them already gave to the church. They have bills, expenses going up. Gasoline and food costs more. But right now they just walked up and just threw it in. And Lord, look at this. They didn't give it to Stan and Leslie. They didn't really even give it to Singapore and Malaysia. They really gave it to you. So Lord, I ask you to multiply this so that whatever Leslie does need to go out and minister, you send it. And she can go and take your anointing and pour it out on your people and bless them. And then those people that have walked up here and those people online, they're going to sow into Singapore and Malaysia, and there's going to be a bunch of them. They will also be blessed yeah. because they put you first in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. You know, there's a lot of kundalini over there, and uh, that's what he wants me to talk on to. So uh, Going to the Kundalini capitals of the world. Yeah, that's not the same as uh, spaghetti. No, but um, we're going to kick the devil. Amen. And we're going to win. Praise God. Right, thank you. I don't know where that came from. Praise and worship. Wait, wait, wait. I better pray too. I didn't pray. Okay. Lord, I just thank you again. I thank you for the people that are giving and the people that have given. I ask that it just be multiplied to more than what we need so that we can leave also a blessing there wherever we may go. And we thank you for that this church is such a mission-bound church. We thank you that their hearts are open to spread the, the good news, but also to train and equip. And we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. What a bunch of beautiful folks here today. Amen. All right. I see a, a, a wall here full of praise shields. We need to get a hold of those with the kiddos everybody go ahead and stand let's get this praise and worship going here
All right, let's get some praise shields. Where's the kiddos? We're going to we're going to get this done today. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to praise and worship the Lord this morning, give him all we've got. We're going to shout to the Lord, no? Amen. Let's shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's practice something real quick. As we sing, we use our hands and we 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 spread our arms. So when we when we bestow this praise and worship upon the Lord, I want you to just take your hand and I want you to push it forward and open it as you are literally releasing that praise and that worship unto the throne this morning. Yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to do that this morning as we sing. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. This is a privilege and an honor to get to sing to you. With the purest of hearts, may this be a sweet fragrance upon you at your throne as we genuinely, genuinely, genuinely want to please you. Jesus' name. All right. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll get some music going here in a second. Here we go. Let's all clap together. Hallelujah. Come on now. Here we go. This is all for you, Lord. Turn the music up just a little bit, please. Shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the the hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born hallelujah come on now let's keep the together amen the shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angels chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. Down in lowly manger, our humble Christ was born. And God sent us salvation on that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go. Tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your ultimate sacrifice. And we give you, we give you honor, praise, recognition today. As it may not be your exact birthday, 
Christian. I am the least of all. Go tell it on the That Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it. Go tell it. Go tell it. Hallelujah. Go on and tell it. Hallelujah. Go tell it. Amen. Proclaiming. Proclaiming today. Proclaim who he is in your life. Shout to the Lord. We're going to go tell the world who our Jesus is. Right? As we celebrate this birth. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord.
Great are you, 
praise and worship to you. Hallelujah. You give life. You are love. You bring
sit down, find someone, give them a hug, and tell them that Jesus lives, he's your Savior, that you love him. This is the reason for the season, amen. You know, the Lord is so good. Amen? Amen. I did want to remind uh, parents that next Saturday at 10 o'clock, we're going to be practicing with the kids for their program for the following Sunday on the 24th. Can you believe it's the end of the year? Oh, my gosh. This went so fast this year. I don't know why it went so fast, but it went really, really, really fast. But I see a lot of people getting old. I'm sure glad me and Leslie aren't, though. <laughs> well, we're not, we're not living soon either forever young. I don't get it. <laughs> Lord, I just thank you for this day, this beautiful day. We thank you that you are the reason for the season and that there's so much beauty around, but we know it's all worthwhile to... To get people to acknowledge you as Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of all the earth. And so, Lord, I ask that while Stan comes to bring the message this morning, that you just anoint him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And, Lord, let us have ears to hear what the message is today, and that we remember it, and that it stay with us. It sticks to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go for it. Oh, thank you. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Because you were slain, has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us under God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Lord, we look forward to seeing you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. When they bring you before the Ancient of Days, as Daniel chapter 7 says. And you are given dominion, glory, and a kingdom for your dominion is an everlasting dominion, and your kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed, that all people, nations, and languages shall serve and obey you. We look forward to seeing you change from the Lamb of God to become the Lion of the tribe of Judah, from the Prince of the Kings of the earth to become the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We look forward to seeing you. Help us to be ready in that moment so that you would take us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And Lord, we thank you for your finished work on the cross. This is the time of the year that the world celebrates your birth, your coming into the earth. And so, Lord, today let's talk about it. Fill my mouth and my heart with your words. 
to supernaturally understand things that we could not otherwise understand. In Jesus' name, amen. So, things I'm about to say are not written directly in the Word. You've got to kind of put things together to see it. But before, before, there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The I Am, the Light of Life, the Ancient of Days, His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the Lord made all of the angels. Apparently the angels were made before the earth was ever started. And among those, of course, Michael, Gabriel, all the rest of the angels. But there was one angel that was the praise and worship leader. And his body somehow was actually kind of like a one-man band. And the Bible describes, describes this one angel as having the ability to go in unto the light of life, the Father, which I kind of picture as an enfolding fire. That's the best way to try to describe the Father. So he would go in and he would gather that light, and then he would come out, and he was the praise and worship leader. His body was literally a band, kind of a one-man band. You've seen these guys that, you know, they do this and they're banging a drum and they, you know, they got a little pipe or harmonica up here and they're playing. They've got several instruments, five or six. Well, that was kind of this angel. And this angel saw the praise and the worship that the father was getting. He was bringing the light. He was not the light. He was the bringer of the light. He brought the light from the Father and out, and then all of the angels praised the Lord. And iniquity was found in him. His name was Lucifer. He's called the light bearer. Iniquity is found in him. And the Bible says that his tail drew a third part of the stars and did cast them to the earth. Now, all of these years when I read that, I pictured this as a tail. And it may well be. And I looked up the word, and the tail is referring to a tail. But I thought, or is it also a tail as in a lie? As in a story? So, Lucifer before all the angels, and all the angels had been going to him to get the light of the Father and to praise the Father, he helped them to praise the Lord. But now he came forward with a tale, a big fat lie that basically was saying everything that God put forth, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, perfection, holiness... He said everything that the Father put forth was a lie, was exactly opposite, was exactly wrong. Whatever that story, whatever that tale was that he put forth was obviously pretty convincing because a third of the angels accepted it. A third of the angels fell. And when they fell, they lost a lot. 
they lost the glow from the glory of God. Glow, read, the glory of God. Their bodies started changing. Instead of being this beautiful angel, the bodies became horrendous, ugly-looking frogs and all sorts of things. But it was too late. They had no redemption. They had no way to get back. And then, I think, the Bible doesn't say this directly, but the way it had to happen is the father went to the son and said, would you like to have a bride? Would you like to have another people that will serve and obey you? My guess is that Jesus said something along the lines of, yeah, that sounds good to me. And then the next words out of the father's mouth was, but. (laughs) There's a couple of things. Now I'm going to have to show you. If I make this new race, if I make this new human race, if I make them, they're going to fall. Let me show you. I'm going to put them in a garden. There's only one thing they can't do. But that one thing, they will do. So before you say yes to this, I want you to understand that you're going to have to die. Oh, and it's not going to be a pleasing death. It's going to be the most painful death in human history. You're going to have to give not just your blood and your life, but extreme pain to save your creation. If you want to do this, And apparently, thankfully, Jesus said, yes, I'm willing to do it. So with that, the father began to write books. One of those books was the Gentile book of life. There's obviously some other books. And he gave them those books. And as I fell to my knees in my prayer closet last night, the first thing I said, thank you. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for writing my name in that book. Because if you hadn't, I wouldn't be here today. Our God is a giving God. He gives to reign to the just and to the unjust. So Jesus said yes. And, and in six days, he made the heavens and the earth. The Bible says he made the heavens and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things that are therein. In six days. And of course, mankind, 6,000 years, we still had not got it right. We still had not made anything worth, worth carrying home to show mama. You know, we hadn't done anything. And yet, in six days, he did all this. And in that process, he made man. And of course, the story goes on. He saw that man was lonely. And we needed, uh, as one person said in joking, He said, I think God said, I made man, but I can do better. (laughs) And made woman. Amen. 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 (laughs) But see, he just made us, but he fashioned the woman. Amen. I got to help you out of this because you don't say amen to that. You'll be walking home, you know. 
So Adam was born, then Eve, and then Satan came along. Has God said, and they ate of the fruit? I don't think that fruit was an apple. I think that fruit was a grape. I looked it up. Apple is only found eight times in the King James Bible, as I recall. But if you look up grape or wine or wine press, <laughs> like 355 times or something, some unbelievable number. And if you look at what the grape has done, well, let's see, Noah got drunk from it. I mean, how many other people have lives have been destroyed from the grape? But there's nothing bad about the apple. I don't think it was an apple. I think it was a grape. So Eve ate of the grape, gave to Adam, and he ate. And when they ate, sin entered in. It was like a virus entered in. And when they, when they, when they ate, I believe before then they were glowing. Like Moses, he was glowing so much when he came down from Mount Sinai, they had him put a, a sheet over his head. I think that Adam and Eve glowed even brighter than that. Daniel 12, 4 says, Those that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. I think they glowed. I think they didn't have to eat because they were the glory, the energy that was in the earth fed them. Fed all the animals. And in those days... Experts say that the land mass, the Bible says the land mass was gathered into one mass. But then in the days of Peleg, that land mass began to separate. If you go down here and you look at that map, you can like, okay, so <laughs> here's Russia and here's Greenland, here's North and South America, and you, you can squeeze them together and they just kind of fit into one like land mass. Experts believe that the earth used to be much smaller. The magnetism was much higher because Adam and Eve were designed to live forever. But they ate of the fruit. And when that fruit went in and sin went in, the glow went away. And that's the reason they saw each other, that they were naked. Because before then there was such a glow they probably just looked like this bright glowing light. But then sin entered in. When that happened, Jesus had to die. But God is eternal. Isaiah 45.10 says, Only God knows the end from the beginning. So he already knew we would be right here right now. I mean, that's hard to, that's hard to understand. He already knew... The end from the beginning, he already knew everything. So now Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. And all sorts of sin and death entered into the world. But then the Bible says that God sent forth his son. In the fullness of time. If you've been around God, and I could tell you some specific incidents. And I don't want to tell you those incidents because they're embarrassing. Because there are times where Stan stepped off the chalk line. That's the reason I was talking about earlier. Uh, he don't talk, at least wise to me. 
He don't talk no kind stuff. He slaps me around pretty hard. <laughs> Those I love, I rebuke and chasten. And the closer we get, I find the harder the slap is. And believe me, he can slap really hard. One time I heard Brandon say, oh, I respect him. I thought, I respect him. I'm downright scared to death. <laughs> I'm sorry if you didn't laugh because that means you have not discovered some of those things. Cindy knows what I'm talking about. Lee knows what I'm talking about, but maybe some of the others, but he can be real harsh. So, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. He had already prophesied through the prophets he's going to be born in Bethlehem. What are the chances he would be born in Bethlehem? That, that's pretty remote. Out of all of the cities on the earth, Bethlehem. But not only that, where he was born was very important. Because, yes, they were full in the end. Now, that's what, that's what Joseph and Mary saw. The end was full. But God said, no, you have to be born in a specific place. Why couldn't Jesus be born in a hospital? Why couldn't Jesus be born in an inn? He had to be born in a specific place, the very specific place where they, they birthed the lambs that were prepared for temple sacrifice. Why? Because if they're going to sacrifice, they have to be perfect. They have to be without blemish. So when it says he was born in a manger, yeah, he was. He was born in the place where sacrificial lambs are born that would be sacrificed in the temple. So the very place Jesus was born was he was born to be a sacrifice. He was born to be the Lamb of God. And that's the reason the Bible says he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. I remember as a child I thought, swaddling clothes? What are swaddling clothes? Well, it's basically long strips of cloth. When the lamb is born, if the lamb had sharp hoofs and scratched itself, or if the lamb were to roll over in maybe some wooden trough that they put the lamb in and scratch it in any way, it disqualifies it. So they have to keep the lamb perfect. So what they did with the lamb, they did the same thing with Jesus because he was a sacrificial lamb. So they took long strips of cloth and they wrapped it around him so that he was kind of like a mummy. He couldn't move, couldn't scratch himself. So he remained perfect. What are the chances that any one person would be born in Bethlehem, where the prophet said he would be born, that he would be born in exactly the place where the sacrificial lambs are born? What are the chances? Chances are pretty slim. And then... When he's born as a confirmation, the Bible says that there were angels sent and the angels marked the place. If you talk to people that are astronomers, I didn't say astrologers, astrologers is worshiping the stars. Astronomy, God, the Bible says that God threw the stars into place with his finger and numbered them. He called every one of them by name. As a matter of fact, the 12 signs of the zodiac that are up in our sky are the story of mankind. And not only that, but we had another fellow come in and speak. And underneath the waters, 
is also the story of mankind, and God wrote his name in Jerusalem. If, when we are able to look back on these 6,000 years and we see all of the hand of God, we're, we're going to be so shocked to see he was in charge of everything. Amen. That's the reason when we do step out of time into eternity, when we can look back on these 6,000 years, the Bible said everything done in secret to be open and made manifest, everything hidden will be shattered from the rooftop. So I assume we get to see a replay of these 6,000 years, everything. So when we step out of eternity, excuse me, out of time into eternity, we can see these 6,000 years. We see everything that Jesus did. You know what we're going to say? We're going to say, I didn't do anything. I did nothing. And that's the reason we fall on our face, cast our crowns at his feet, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. For Thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, back to the story. So, Jesus was mummified. <laughs> he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. The angels marked the spot. The angels went to the wise men and said, You need to go and see him. And when the wise men showed up, they didn't show up empty-handed. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which were in those days very expensive things. Why? Because they were taking care of the God child. Like the song says, Mary, did you know that when you kiss the face of your baby, you were kissing the face of God? Mary, did you know that he was going to be crucified on that cross? The most painful death anyone could possibly endure. Why? Because Lucifer was trying to get him to call those 12 legions of angels. At any time, Jesus could have called them and stopped it. Maybe he was, maybe if I'm really, really hard on him, maybe if I really embarrass him, maybe he will call the 12 legions of angels. Maybe rather than be beaten, maybe rather than having his beard pulled out, Maybe rather than being laughed or mocked or spit on. And by the way, when they beat them, we've talked about that. But then he says, no one takes my life. I lay it down. My guess is that when it came to Golgotha, when they laid those crosses down, they probably had to lay the two thieves down, tie their arms in place, to hold them still, or get several soldiers to hold their arms in place. I don't think they put the nail in here because it would just rip out. They're up there on the cross for two to three days. They didn't die immediately. It's very painful, very gruesome, very embarrassing. They weren't nailed to the cross with clothes on. They were naked. That's part of the embarrassment. They weren't nailed to the cross out in the woods someplace. They found the most populous place where the most people would walk by and see them. I think the nail was put there so they could not get off the cross. And the soldiers had to hold their hands down. But the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe that Jesus said, no, no, you don't have to, you don't have to hold me down. No one takes my life. I give it. I think he laid down on that cross, put his hand out. I'll, I'll Stay real still so you can be sure and hit it. Now, maybe he did that because he didn't want to see his head get hit with a big old mallet, too, missing the okay? I think he did it willingly. Same thing with his feet. 
And then they put him up there on that cross. And the reason they offered him vinegar and myrrh, is that right? Because that's a bit of a painkiller. That was their painkiller of the day. In other words, he was unwilling to take any of the pain away. And to me, what he was doing is he was saying, Stan, I'm doing this for you because you can't be correct. You can't do it right because you're not God. But I can. So I'm laying my life down. I'm putting my hand out there for them to nail me down. This weekend, well, actually, next weekend is, is, the, is really the weekend, the week that people celebrate the birth of Christ. And I'm glad they do. I don't think that was really his birthday. Perhaps Alyssa says it was conce- his, the time of a conception. That may be true. But the point is, it's the day that people around the world that are going to, if they're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus, they do. So Jesus came forth in a specific time, in a specific way. And I think he's going to return in a specific time, a specific way. And when we can look back at this, we're going to all say, of course. Of course, he did it exactly right. It's just that we don't have all the details. So I wanted to fill in some of the details, and I've got lots of scriptures And I'm not even going to try to go through all of them, but we'll go through a few of them. This is talking about Jesus riding into Jerusalem. Jesus spake and saying, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Understand, this is about a week before he's nailed to the cross. And he would say this. What does he mean, I'm the light of the world? Because in the millennium, when the sun has been out for three days, when he returns, literally, he is the light. All the world. The Bible says the sun, the moon, and the stars, they're all dissolved because there is no competition to his light. When the new Jerusalem comes down in heaven, he's at the top of it. He literally is the light of the world. And it's a light that we cannot understand. It's a light, I think it's the hidden manna. That's the reason when we're in our light bodies in eternity, we don't have to eat because he is our source of energy. He is our food. He is our everything. He's the light of the world. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Leslie keeps saying make and heavy on the word makes you free not let you be free. It makes you free when you accept him. This, they answered and said unto Abraham as our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth. Like Leslie says, by the way, I agree. We've talked about this. We thought, oh, wow, we can build a church. No, no problem building a church. All we got to do is just get up and keep bringing the gospel people, bring, bringing the Bible, bringing the truth to them. Sad to say, many Americans don't. That's not what they want. You do the deeds of your father. 
And they said to him, we not be born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said, well, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. He's telling them, but like Isaiah says, they see, but they don't perceive. They hear, but they don't understand. They answered the Jews and said unto them, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered and says, I am not a devil, but I honor my father, and you do dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory, but there is one that seeketh and judges. Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Jesus came into the world to defeat the devil. Remember the parable <clears throat> where Jesus says, he spoke a parable about the Pharisees. He said there was a man that built a vineyard and built a tower, planted the vineyard, and gave it to his servants and went off for a long time. And he said his, when it came time for the fruit, he sent his servants for the fruit. And they beat one, beat another, and they killed another. So he said, well, if I send my son, they'll reverence my son. But the people of the vineyard said, ha, there's the son. He owns the vineyard. If we kill him, then we own the vineyard. See, when Lucifer killed Jesus, I know I'm kind of talking about the crucifixion and the birth at the same time, but when Lucifer killed Jesus, he thought he would have the kingdom. He didn't understand. He made another mistake. What he did was create a pathway back to the light of the Father. He created a pathway back to eternity for those people that would receive it. Amen. Jesus passed by and saw a man who was blind from his birth. Master, who did sin? Okay, so what he's saying is we get bad things happening to us because we sin. Is that true? Yes. yes. But can bad things happen to us that are not of sin? Yes. yes. Okay. So it's not a 100% thing. Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? He said, neither in this case, nor his parents, so that the works of God should be made manifest. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, because the night cometh when no man can work. Now what does this mean? The night cometh when no man can work. Yes, the sun goes out for three days, and yes, you wouldn't be able to lead people to, to Jesus so easily then. But I think that that night is well on us now. Right now, it's not very popular to talk about Jesus. It's not popular to go to church. It's not popular to be a Christian. And it's difficult to lead someone to the Lord right now. So we're sort of in that time right now, aren't we? As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now let's go back to the birth. So, <laughs> so the angels come. He's wrapped in swaddling. The, the, the shepherds or the, the wise men bring the gifts. But then they say, wait a minute. Where is this Jesus, king of the Jews? Where is he? We've heard, we saw his star. We want to come and worship him. And they ask Herod, the king, very evil king. Well, I'm glad we don't have any of those today. <laughs> when you find him come and give me word so that I can go and worship him too now in Revelation it says that they were, that the devil was attempting 
to kill Jesus. And so if he could have killed him, again, he thought that that would give him the kingdom. Well, he did wind up killing Jesus. A lot of people say, well, the Jews killed Jesus. I don't even think it was the Jews. Let me explain. About 2,500 years ago, there was a group of people called the Khazarians. They were out of Khazaria or Kazakhstan in the, uh, the, 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 what, what is that? Uh, uh, Ukraine area and up in that area. Kazakhstan, a lot of people called them a Khazarian mafia. And they were so evil that the nations round about them went to them and said, look it, you've got to find a God because we can't put up with this evil anymore. You choose. You want to be Muslim? You want to be Jewish? You want to, what, what God do you want? But you have to serve a God. And so they said, okay, we'll, we'll choose to serve the God of Israel. We'll serve Judah. And so they decided they were going to be Jewish. So they went to the real Jews and said, uh, can we have your daughters? Can we intermarry? And Jews said, absolutely not. The Bible forbids that in several different ways. That's what they said in those days. So they just started changing their names to Jewish names. They called themselves Jews. They started acting like Jews. They started dressing like Jews. Some of them even moved to Israel. So in my opinion, they were probably Moloch and Baal worshippers. So the people that really crucified Jesus were probably not necessarily the sons of Abraham. Maybe they were, I don't know. But they were probably really Moloch worshippers like Dagon and, and uh, remember Gideon? That whole thing there? Gideon cleaned house. And uh, also Jehu cleaned house and removed all these evil people from Israel. So they crucified Jesus. He was sent to be the Lamb of God. He was sent to die on the earth so that we could have eternal life. I've got more scriptures, but I don't want to necessarily get into that because I really want to focus on the birth of Jesus today. So Jesus, from before time, I think that's the way to say it, from before time, had an agreement with the Father that he would die and rise again and his blood was wash us clean. As I said when I was in Honduras, I said, so for 2,000 years, the Father has offered the world a gift, a free gift. Doesn't hurt anything, doesn't cost anything, doesn't make your teeth fall out if you do this. All you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. And you can have a new start, a new lease on life. So for 2,000 years, he's offered this gift to the world. And sad to say, at this time, most people in the world have not accepted the gift. So the father has said, okay, you don't want my free gift, the gift of my blood's son, or my son's blood, so you can have eternal life. You don't want my free gift? You want the devil? Okay, fine, I'll give you my devil, or give you the devil. And so for the last three and a half years of the tribulation, the devil rules, and it's going to be hell on earth. But because Jesus came into the world, he didn't have to, but because he came in the world, we can have our sins forgiven. Lord, we do thank you. <clears throat> we thank you that you decided to have mankind made. And you thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and laying your life down. 
so that we could have eternity, so we could have life with you, so we can have a new body wherein dwelleth righteousness. We thank you, Lord. And right now, Lord, we ask that you be our God, that you would forgive our sins. Forgive our sins in Jesus' name. Amen.